Good morning. Welcome to Axios Today. It's Friday. We made it. It's May 7th. I'm Nyla Boo. Here's how we're making you smarter today. The U.S. and Mexico talk immigration. Plus, local businesses suffer as tech workers stay home. But first, the GOP and Donald Trump are today's one big thing. This was a wild week for the Republican Party, and all week I've been wanting to talk to Axios Politics Managing Editor Margaret Talev about what is going on. She is here with us now. Hey, Margaret. Hey, Nyla. It was a crazy week. It was a crazy week, and we saw the gap in the Republican Party widen this week. How has this been on display with Representative Liz Cheney? Well, we're seeing it on display this week in a couple ways. Uh, One is that Kevin McCarthy has publicly said, yeah, I want to get rid of her. Can't can't deal with it anymore. There is now an effort that is being driven by leadership to replace Liz Cheney, remove her from this position next week and replace her with with another woman in the Republican Party in Congress. And that is most likely uh, going to be Representative Elise Stefanik from New York, who is not known for being a firebrand conservative. She is known for being an arch defender of former President Trump. Uh, But the other way in which we're seeing it play out is that Cheney herself penned this opinion piece running in the Washington Post, essentially staking out her credentials and, and saying effectively, yeah, I know I'm out of leadership. Go ahead and remove me. Some things are more important than uh, hanging on to a fig leaf of a leadership position. She is now very much publicly saying this isn't about me. This isn't about Kevin McCarthy. This is about the future of the Republican Party and who do Republicans uh, want to be. So she is telling Republicans that there's a fork in the road and there is a test and that the the short-term calculations should pale in comparison to the long-term calculations. As Kevin McCarthy sees it, this is about the congressional midterms a year from November, and this is about the 2024 election. And on both of those counts, he sees Republican unity and the uh, lasting support among many Republican voters for Trump as the important principles to follow. If this is a test, how did Republicans handle Facebook's oversight board this week saying they would continue the ban of former President Trump from the platform? The feedback from Republicans has been uh, highly negative, and it's been part of this argument that corporations have become liberal or put their thumb on the scale or are unfair to conservatives. Look, this is very much part of the Republican brand at this point, corporate money saying they don't uh, want to support Republicans who make false claims about elections or foment violence. So uh, Republicans are in the midst of this broader realignment, trying to fashion themselves as the party for the working class, very much courting uh, white working class voters who are once aligned with Democrats and trying to pick up some Hispanic working class voters who have long aligned with Democrats. And so being anti-corporate, saying that corporations are against them, uh, all fits this larger branding of this message that they're for the working class and and the Democrats are the corporatists. Um, That doesn't like that's not what the social media companies would say. They would say, look, Donald Trump very clearly ran afoul of our rules of engagement on the platform. And we not have not only the right, but the obligation to hold him accountable for that, just as they would hold anyone else accountable. Margaret Talib is Axios' managing editor for politics. Thanks, Margaret. Have a good weekend. Thank you, Nyla. Back in a moment with the view from Mexico City ahead of the U.S.-Mexico meeting today.
I'm Nyla Boodoo. Welcome back to Axios Today. Vice President Kamala Harris is meeting with Mexican President Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador today. The conversation will likely center on how the two countries can work together to stem the number of migrants headed to the U.S.-Mexico border. Marina Franco is a reporter with Telemundo. She also writes the Axios Latino newsletter and is joining us from Mexico City to catch us up. Hey, Marina, thanks for being with us. This isn't the first administration to ask for help from Mexico on immigration. Can you tell us how the Biden-Harris strategy is different? So when President Trump was feeling that too many immigrants were getting close to the border, his strategy was to make Mexico be the enforcement arm and deploy its National Guard with threats of imposing tariffs if they didn't. Whereas the Biden administration is signaling that it'll be more of a negotiation, a bit of a give and take You know, if you move more uh, troops to your southern borders, then we can discuss other issues that are relevant to the bilateral relationship. What are the things the U.S. is offering to try to bring Mexico along? So one of the most major things is working together to have a more economic development program of Central America and southern Mexico, where most immigrants are forced to leave because of their conditions. Mexico has been clamoring for there to be a more long-term plan in that regard. So the U.S. is signaling that it's open to working together on that front for sure. What are you watching for that may come out of this? So the most important thing to be aware of is how they describe the meeting itself, uh, because there have been a series of bilateral talks at different levels. Those meetings seem to be super cordial if you just uh, read what the statement that they put out afterward. But there's not that much substance there. I think what would be best to notice after this high-level meeting is what exactly are they proposing? Are there numbers being discussed already? Is it something that's going to be done through USAID? Or is it just going to be the, oh, we have established that we will work together? Marina Franco is a reporter with Telemundo. She also writes the Axios Latino newsletter, joining us from Mexico City. Thank you, Marina. Thank you for having me. Have a great day. Jobs in America's top tech hubs, like Austin, San Francisco, and Raleigh, are coming back more slowly than in other cities. According to a new analysis, that's because local businesses in these cities continue to suffer while white-collar workers stay home. Axios Business reporter Erica Pandy is with me now. Erica, what exactly is happening in these cities? So because people in these tech hubs, which, which have a higher concentration of tech jobs that can be done from home, are staying home, that means other jobs aren't coming back. So that bodega that they got their morning coffee at, that place they went for their work lunch, all of these local restaurants and shops are not hiring because they don't see the foot traffic because of those remote workers. Could some of these jobs be disappearing for good? Yes, definitely. I mean, we've seen the pandemic killed off nearly a million small businesses. A hundred thousand of those were restaurants. They could crop back up, though. You know, if you're staying home, that doesn't mean you're going to stop getting coffee or having lunch. So maybe your downtown work lunch turns into a midday run for takeout. What do you think you're looking for next? 
I mean, next we could see uh, some of these jobs shift into delivery jobs. The kind of companies that were hiring during the pandemic were the Instacarts, the Amazons. So if you're doing a lot more Uber Eats, people could go from being a server to uh, an Uber Eats driver. But people don't want to do that. You know, a lot of people in these jobs have had them for a long time. They love the culture. They love the people. And they don't just want to do something adjacent just because it's out there. Erica Pandey is a business reporter at Axios, and she's our first in-studio guest. She is here with me. Thank you, Erica. Thanks, Nyla. It is so great to be here. I have known Axios today as a Zoom-only project, so it's so great to see, be here and see your face and do this the way podcasts are supposed to be done. To that point of going back into the office, as people are starting to do more things like that, we are asking you, how are you navigating this new phase of the pandemic? If you can answer that by recording a voice memo on your phone, you can email us at podcasts at axios.com. And thanks to everyone who's already sent them in. That's it for us this week. Axios Today is brought to you by Axios and Pushkin Industries. We're produced by Alexandra Boti, Nuria Marquez-Martinez, Sabina Singani, Naomi Shaven, and Amy Padula. Our sound engineer is Alex Sugiyara. Dan Bobkoff is our executive producer, and Sarah Kailani Gu is our executive editor. Special thanks, as always, to Axios co-founder Mike Allen. At Pushkin, our executive producers are Lee Malad and Jacob Weisberg. I'm Nyla Boodoo. Thanks for listening, and have the best weekend. 